namo bhagavate vasudevaya om namo bhagavate vasudevaya om i bow to the lord vasudeva i bow to him in you i bow at your feet because you too are he i would like to read to you from conversations with yogananda you know the state of a master is quite beyond human comprehension i asked one of the ministers once during my first year as a disciple is the master equally conscious of everything the concept of being constantly in cosmic consciousness even while acting in a physical body the state master called nirvikalpa samadhi was perhaps not surprisingly quite beyond my comprehension this disciple however to whom i had addressed the question wanted others to think his explanations came from his own personal knowledge nevertheless based on what he said and matching it against what i heard later from the master himself on this subject i think the following is a fairly exact explanation of the master's teaching on this subject in cosmic consciousness you are inwardly conscious of everything your human mind however must be aware of things specifically when you yourself concentrate on one flower out of several then although you are aware of that one flower especially you are also aware that there are others you see those others there but your present awareness is that they are peripheral the case is similar in the uh, in the case of a master he is aware of everything everywhere but at the same time whatever calls for his specific human attention since it is in his direct line of vision he addresses particularly his human mind functions in a human way inwardly however his inner consciousness embraces all existence many were the opportunities i had to observe this dichotomy of awareness in paramahansa yogananda he would know things yet not always seem at first to be aware of them i said to him once master please help i mean one of the monks it wasn't somebody whom i referred earlier but another he seems to be going through a hard time that monk was distant from us at the time of about 150 miles away oh oh cried the said the master instantly he'd concentrated on this person and had known what he was going through that monk soon afterward left the monastery in fact the master had been inwardly aware of the situation and now responded to it because it had been i had drawn it to his human attention the monk himself however had not sought to draw that attention he had lost his attunement and had made no mental appeal for assistance the master once told me it is very difficult to play these two roles together the human and the divine nowadays when one simply reads about him it may be easier in a sense to accept this distinction between his inner consciousness and his outer awareness for us however who had had to grapple with it in person it wasn't always so easy one time i remember i had said to him i had said to somebody at a distance of quite a quite a long way away from what my guru was 
I had said something to try to help somebody to come onto the path, but I'd been talking about things for which this person wasn't ready, miracles and so on, and he was a skeptical, atheistic psychologist, and it was not the way to talk to him. Well, the next time I saw my guru, he said to me, when you're with skeptical people, materialistic people, don't talk about these things, they're not ready. I said, you knew, I was quite surprised. And he, he amazed me, he said, I know every thought you think. Well, that was because I was tu in tune with him, whereas this other person was not as in tune, but Master could tune in to him. I remember that I was once standing near the Master, pondering this mystery. His body, standing there, I was reminding myself earnestly, isn't who he really is. He is everywhere. He is even inside me as much so as in that body over there. But isn't he also especially in that body? You see, I was trying to figure all these things out. While I puzzled over this matter, the master came over to me and, smiling quietly, gave me an apple. <laughs> Nothing was said. Once he said to me, those who are in tune, I know their every thought. The focus of his consciousness, as is obvious from that statement, was much broader than anything ordinary. Many times he showed me this amazing breadth of awareness. Well, I just told you that story. I'm anticipating myself. I won't read it to you now. Finally, I concluded that it was useless to try to understand him. Lorley Pratt, another more senior disciple than I by many years, once remarked to me, whenever I think I've understood Master, I discover that he's beyond what I understood. My own thought when she said that was, why even try to understand him? I'd rather simply deepen my attunement with him. The Master's brother disciples used somehow to, sometimes to complain that they couldn't understand their guru, Sri Yukteswar. To them the youthful Master replied, neither do you understand God. My own job as a disciple, similarly I realized, was to absorb as much wisdom and inspiration from him as I was capable of holding. It's very important to understand that the consciousness of a master is not something that you need to try to understand with your mind. He was far. I remember I was with him only a few days when I thought that, well, he was a wise man. But he looked at me one time. He said, if you only knew my consciousness. And I had enough faith in him to know that he wasn't boasting. He was just trying to th tell me, don't try to figure it out. You won't know who I am just that way. You will know who, um, who the guru is. You will know who a master is only if you become one with what he is one with. One time I used to pray, help me to love you as you love me. And he said to me one time, how can the little cup hold the whole ocean? You're thinking that love is something that you with your little human heart can have? You can have a little bit of it, you can have a little devotion, but prem, infinite love, is only when you become one with God. That is the love of a great master. You can't have that until you become one. You see, some people used to see him as an ordinary human being, and they'd think that he was scolding them because he was upset with this or with that, and they would often tell me, well, he didn't like to have moody people around him. He wasn't. He didn't have any likes or dislikes. He was, everything that he did was always to help you. 
It was to help bring out of you that quality that you needed to develop in yourself. And so a master is one who is there as your friend. Yes, he's disciplining you, but only as your friend. More than your father or your mother, he's only thinking in terms of your own welfare. And many people develop this ego that now I'm an adult, nobody can tell me anything, but we're all children before God. The role of the guru is to help us to understand how we can find the ultimate wisdom, which people don't get by the years that they have lived. How many stupid idiots there are of my age. Age doesn't mean anything. Age has something more to do with the degree of wisdom that you have developed. Most people are, as I put it to you in recent talk, psychological antiques. They think everything's got to be just this way and they can't change their mind on anything. They assume that everything has to be sort of just the way they've been brought up. So that Americans think that, well, um, I remember going to Mexico and uh, Mexicans are not efficient the way North Americans are efficient. And the North Americans were getting per perturbed because uh, things were being handled on inefficiently at the airport. And I turned to some and I said, look, why did you travel if you want things exactly the way they are at home? Accept the way they are. This is their charm also. Let so many people come to India and they say, well, but they don't do things efficiently as we do. Well, in fact, Indians are a lot more efficient than Mexicans, but nonetheless, there are differences. And uh, I'd say it was all for the good. It's wonderful to see how different people are, and all of them in their own way, finding and seeking the same truth. You know, people have different tastes, but all people want the basic things the same. They may like curry, they may like chilies and hot tamales, they may like um, mashed potatoes and peas, but they all want food. And some people may want to uh, have love in one form or another. A woman likes men, men like women. Mother may want, may have more love for her children than for her husband, but it's love that people want. Ultimately, they have to understand that the real joy and love come only in God. When you can see that, the wonderful thing is that suddenly you find that joy everywhere. You find that in everyone you meet, there is some aspect of the divine looking at you. God has created so many different types, and each type has something to give you. I don't say that you can learn something from everybody because most people don't really have anything to give. They haven't learned anything themselves. But you could conceivably learn even that from them. Their ignorance is also a lesson in itself. <coughs> I've had the opportunity in my life to live in many countries. I was born, as many of you know, in Romania. But I'm not Romanian. My parents were born in America. And my parents also were sort of travelers by nature. My mother went to Paris to study violin, and my father was an oil geologist, and they met in Paris. <coughs> I've lived in many countries. I've learned many languages. I've lived here in India for many years, too. And although I've come back now recently, I lived in India for four years earlier. I've come back periodically. 
but I've seen that people are basically everywhere the same. They have different colored skin, they have different tastes, they have different, but it's all superficial. The thing that we are looking for is the joy within our own selves. Everybody is looking for that, and really it would be very boring if they all looked at for it in the same way. It's wonderful that some people look for it in uh, one thing or another. I couldn't really, I have to say, that when I went to school in England as a boy, I had to play cricket. Now, I know that in India, people absolutely love cricket. They go crazy over it. I, I uh, was watching the India-Pakistan India um, matches, test matches, and um, some Indian uh, managed to hit the thing out of bounds, and the, uh, the crowd went wild. And I just, uh, okay, so they get wild about that. I remember when I played cricket in school, I would go out and lie in the field until somebody said, hey, the ball's coming your way, then I'd get up and run after it. But it made no sense to me at all. We all have our different tastes. Now, football, I enjoyed football. Then I could run fast, and running fast was my particular skill. Um, be true to your own higher self. You're looking for joy, and everything else is going to change in time. You know, yes, I was a fast runner, quite fast. I can now hardly walk without a cane. Here I am, not that many years have passed, so 60 years, 70 years, whatever. It's not much time. What a short time we live on this planet. And all the things that we've been able to do when we were young, we can't do anymore. Don't become too identified with your present time. Don't be identified with your present tastes, your present nationality, your present language. You know, one trick that I've learned for learning another language is don't translate from my language to that language. Get into that language. Think in that language, and suddenly it all sort of comes together. You put yourself in tune with that language, and then suddenly the words seem to flow quite naturally. There was a, a sadhu that some friends of mine met. It was on top of Drungiri, and he lived far away from everybody. And his natural language was sort of a pahari, but he could talk Hindi, he could talk English. He did talk these languages with my friends when they went there. They were saying, well, what do you do for food? And he said, well, he just manifested it. He had a little pot, and he sort of, um, out of this pot came curry and delicious things. These powers are all within you. You can do anything you want to. There's nothing you can't do if you allow him to do it through you. Always keep in mind, there isn't anything you can't do if you let him do it through you. I have seen again and again that when I open up the floodgates and let him flow, do you know there's a book that I wrote, it's called Do It Now, and there's a saying in that book, for every day of the year. Somebody asked me how long it took me to write that book, it took me one day. I was afraid to let it take longer as I was afraid I would let it, I would forget what I had written. It did take me a month to edit the book and make it read well. But one day, for the basic thoughts, I couldn't do that myself. When you allow God to flow through you, there isn't anything you can't do. You are that. And that's what my guru showed in his life. He had that consciousness, and we as disciples only try to imitate a little bit of it. 
but we try to do what he taught us to do, and we see that it works. If you need to do something creative, ask God. He can do it for you. If you want to sing a song that nobody has ever sung, it will come to you. Let God inspire you. Let him guide you. You know, an interesting thing is that in, in giving people counseling, sometimes they'll ask me a question. I'll, I'll just have to say, I'm sorry, I just don't have the answer. Do you know, many times it's happened that in the very moment that I've said, I don't know, I do know. How do I know? Because I give up reaching for it. I give up trying. And as soon as I relax, then suddenly he puts that thought in my mind. He does everything. We have to give him that chance to do everything. We have to open ourselves to him. And when we do, we see that his love and his joy flows through you. I'd like this. That song, is that meaning, that thought is expressed in a song that I wrote. It's called The Song of the Nightingale. I think you'll like it. So let's sing that song to you now. Joy to you. Nightingale, nightingale, sing of joy through the night. Teach my heart to impart everywhere your delight. Sing of moon rays on the rain, sing that love's not in Nightingale, nightingale, 